Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. We are back. It is Kevin's Corner uh, recapping week four of the NFL season. We are through a quarter of the way. Kind of a wild one yesterday for the Colts. A pretty awful, awful start. Um, Needing a rather historic comeback and... I mean, hell, almost had it. Actually had a drive in regulation that could have won the game and then overtime. Uh, not good at all. So the Colts lose to the Rams 29-23 as now we head into the month of October. The Jonathan Taylor storyline will be rampant this week. And uh, it'll be the Titans inside of Lucas Oil Stadium here coming up on Sunday afternoon. Eddie Garrison, good Monday morning to you, man. How Likewise. Are you? Doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I yeah, see you survived the Ryder Cup. Oh, I'm so pissed. Yeah, I'm so pissed. Yeah, just all. I'm more pissed at Zach Johnson and the Ryder Cup team than I am at uh, Marcus Freeman from the previous Saturday. Uh, survive in advance, Notre Dame and Durham on Saturday night. But yes, the Ryder Cup, don't get me started. And Sam Hartman, we trust, right? Oh my gosh, that scramble, man. I was like, don't trip and fall, don't trip and fall, just get there. And he did, and yeah, let's never talk about that one. Ever again. We'll talk a lot about Colts and Rams right here on this Kevin's Corner. Um, yeah, just really disappointed in the start, Eddie. Just really, really disappointed in that. And I guess just some overall thoughts before we get into Richardson, what I liked, what what I didn't like. It's kind of crazy to sit here and think, you know, if you're a Colts season ticket member and you go to every game, that's now the seventh straight time you've walked out of that building watching your team lose. I think Mike Chappell had it. It's the second longest streak in the 40-year history of the Indianapolis Colts. Wow. Um, that is obviously less than ideal. And I thought you looked like the Pacific time zone team off a short week, traveling multiple time zones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the EJ speed penalty, obviously, early on, just such a dumb, dumb play, and it gave them... Uh, the exact jolt. You can't do that to a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. You did that, and that kind of set the tone. And there are a lot of plays. I mean, you don't get down 23 nothing because of one play. There are a lot of plays, all three phases, that contributed to such a deficit there. But, yeah, crazy day, man. When the AFC South combines to go 3-0 and besides you, and they win those games by 80-16, to it's a day that you just are not used to at all within this division. But, you know, one of those games, Eddie, that – I think Colts fans have some frustration over the start and then just how easy overtime was for the Rams. We'll get into that. But then again, I think your quarterback, um, while it wasn't a perfect day, boy, that, that, that fourth quarter moxie from him, pretty impressive in my eyes. And I think that's something that you have to be pleased about. And, you know, he, he made his return. He started and finished a game. So uh, anything else overall, Eddie, about the 2-2 two and two Colts before we get into Richardson, and then what I liked and what I uh, what I didn't like. I thought the presence of DeForest Buckner was certainly missed in the run game. 
Um, you could just see that the holes were significantly bigger along the offensive line and the running lanes for Kyron Williams when DeForest Buckner wasn't out there. Yeah. So it allowed that offensive line to give full attention on the front to Grover Stewart. I think his impact was very limited because of DeForest Buckner being extremely limited uh, in Sunday's game. Uh, but other than that, I think you hit everything else pretty well. Yeah, I thought your trench depth was more was a bit exposed. And again, that would be O-line, that would be D-line as well. Um, yeah, just what, 20 snaps for Buckner. And yeah, you really felt it. I mean, Grover Stewart certainly made a couple of plays, but still, um, that was really, really... A, um, a a a poor display of your trench trench depth against obviously Donald is Donald, but I don't look at the Rams O line and the others on their D line. I mean, it's not like Von Miller is still with that Rams defensive line, or even a guy like Leonard Floyd. So, uh, disappointing on that end. Uh, should we begin with Richardson? Yes, I thought he did um, a terrific job of bouncing back in the second half compared to the abysmal first half. Yeah, I I, I think yeah that that that's a good way to. To uh, put it, you know, I was curious about a couple of things with Richardson coming into Sunday. First off, would the playing style change at all? Uh, obviously, Shane Steichen had zero hesitancy in running him. Three design runs in the first eight plays of the game. I mean, there was no hesitancy whatsoever. Um, I thought that Richardson did a nice job. Of course, you know, he slides on the first play of the game. That obviously brought a bit of a cheer from Colts fans. Um, but I thought he did a nice job of kind of taking care of himself. I didn't think he took any big, big shots or maybe any like unnecessary hits. Um, his day as a thrower, you know, he's 11 of 25 for 200 yards. What do you like? The 11 completions for 200 yards. I mean, that means you created big plays. And I thought his day yesterday, Eddie, was a little bit more of what I expected. The poor completion percentage, the big plays to go with it, though. And that's kind of what it was for the passing game. Again, 44%, you can't survive with that. That number has got to get above 50. I think it's got to hover around 60 for his career. If it hovers around 60, I think you have something here that that, that could be special. The big plays you like. The ball to Pierce. I think the Josh Downs throw is the best throw he's had in his three games here in the NFL down the seam for for 30 yards and I thought and and I'd like to go back and maybe look at this I might do this later today and and I'll I'll come back Wednesday Eddie I'd like to know how many of those 11 completions came outside of the pocket it feels like over half of them did and maybe I'm falling too much in the trap of that those were the types of plays he was making in the fourth quarter obviously the downs throw came from inside the pocket, but I feel like the vast majority of his production through the air yesterday came outside the pocket, and that's why I look at the final drive of regulation when it was incompletion, 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 and think to myself, man, that was a time, I think, to get him out of the pocket. You know, minute 35 to go, you take the ball over at your own 35. I mean, you only need, what, 25 yards to get into kind of realistic mm-hmm. Matt Gay range. And it, it was a quick three and out there. I would have liked to have seen him outside the pocket because I thought, again, that was when he was at his best. But on that third down, I would have liked to see them do like a screen to Pittman or somebody because I got nervous. Not gonna lie, watching that and seeing another incompletion on third down, like, well, you took like twenty five seconds off the clock and. You had trouble stopping Puka Nakua all game long, and we've seen Matthew Stafford time and time again just will his team down the field for a game-winning drive. And I just felt like if you did not force L.A. to use one of their timeouts there, it could have 
ended the wrong way in regulation, but it didn't matter because the way it resulted in overtime. Right, yeah. Both teams played with a little bit of fire there at the end of regulation. Um, you know, I would say the biggest thing, if I were a Colts fan, and you know, Colts fan stops me on the street and comes up to me and says, okay, what's your biggest Richardson takeaway from yesterday? It was how he looked in the fourth quarter. I mean, that that to me is just... That's the separator, Eddie. How do you look like in those moments? Are you a deer in headlights? Are you not? And I thought, again, the final drive wasn't perfect. um, But down eight, that's a must-have drive. Must-have. That's a touchdown and a two-point conversion. You got to have it. You have to deliver. How do you deliver? And he did. And, again, he made some big plays, I thought, outside of the pocket. Again, a little bit off script. And that is huge. And that's a step forward from Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville, he throws the pick there late and maybe it was a little bit more of a hey we got to get him out of the pocket you know you didn't get him out of the pocket on the Tyson Campbell interception when you were down in that game so um, you know I kind of thought okay low completion percentage big plays okay that's kind of what I knew but what I didn't know Eddie is the fourth quarter Richardson I mean Florida was six and six it's not like they were in a ton of those moments, and it was just one year of those moments. So how does he react getting into that? And you think about the two fourth quarters he now has played in. One, he's down three, and he takes over with five minutes to go. The other one, he's down eight with seven minutes to go, and he takes over. That is just incredible amount of valuable reps you can't script. And I know I've harped on that a lot, but this is why you play the kid. This is exactly why you put him in there yep. to feel those moments and have to react. And... I thought he handled Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, pretty well with that. Um, I think he still has got to take strides as kind of that intermediate thrower. Um, you know, there was a there was a comeback route that he missed to Pittman that was just kind of a timing thing. You know, did he air mail? Should Pittman have made more of a play on that ball, et cetera, et cetera? Are you talking about the touchdown? No, I'm talking about the one touchdown? on the Rams sideline, far okay. Rams sideline. Yes, yeah, it was yeah, like yeah, a yeah. third and nine, maybe. Yeah. Like that's just a ball that the Rams hit. Like, Stafford hits that ball. And he probably hits it to Van Jefferson or Tutu Atwell. I mean, like, he hits that. And Richardson, I know, is not going to be Stafford accuracy-wise. But that is a play that's got to become more of a realistic chance of happening. Uh, He threw the ball, I thought, a hair late to McKenzie down the sideline when McKenzie got flattened by Russ Yeast. That's a ball, if you see it earlier, I think he's got the arm strength to get that in there. Those are just some things that I think he's got to grow as a passer. And again, those are balls more from the pocket. And I go back to the Chris Bauer quote quite often. At some point, the quarterback has got to deliver from the pocket. And so that's something with Richardson I think we'll just have to continue to monitor and watch. But all in all, Eddie, I thought um, you walk away pleased with his performance. Again, the fourth quarter stuff from him is what stands out to me more than anything not perfect by any means poor ball security on the fumble you can't have that um but if you just want to boil it down to one single thing from Richardson that you take away I don't know how you don't walk away pleased if I would have told you going into the game that Alec Pierce and Michael Pittman Jr. would have combined for two catches for 62 yards how would you expect the game went like what would you the result have been well can we go one step further on the on that box score I mean what did Josh Downs have Two for 34. So four total catches from the big three. For, what was that, 96 yards? You know, I mean, four four catches from your top three wideouts? Like that, you just, and it's not like you had a tight end go for 120. Or right. it's not like you had Zach Moss go for 150. So, you know, that is something that is definitely 
an issue moving forward. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's start with what I didn't like. I'm trying to think of what I didn't like first. Probably the start. start. Yeah. I, we, we had so many callers on our morning show today, Eddie, and, and honestly, I, I would say even our Twitter questions kind of fall into the same script. You know, let's talk about the fourth and seven in the third quarter. Let's talk about the final drive of regulation. Let's talk about the plan for Puka Nakua in overtime. Do those deserve some attention? Certainly. But are we just ignoring, like, you got down 23 to nothing? You know, I mean, Shane Sykin, okay, let's credit resilience. Let's credit toughness by our team and coming back. Sure, let's also acknowledge how awful of a start that was. I mean, you got down 23 to nothing to a team that is coming off a short week that is dealing with their own injury situations and has not looked like some juggernaut by any means through the first couple of games of this season. Again, I thought the EJ speed penalty, Eddie, just set such a tone. What a dumb Stupid penalty against a non-scrambling quarterback on your own sideline, five yards short of the first down marker. Aren't they going to punt there from the 45-yard line? Yep. I, mean, I don't think they're going for fourth and five on the game's opening drive there. Um, then you had Richardson's fumble. I'm mean, just talking self-inflicted stuff. I thought kind of a sneaky play was you're lined up to go for it on a fourth and two, and I think it was a fourth, it might have been a fourth and five, on a fourth and five, and Pittman has a false start. So now you trot out your field goal crew from 47 instead of 42. Should Matt Gay make it from 47? Yeah. But I think there's just a natural deflation, if you will, that you have when that moment happens. Matt Gay misses from 47. I think that snapped like a 42-made uh, streak of field goals under 50. Really that high? It was It was something. It was up there. Wow. Um so, yeah, that one, to me, all three phases contribute. I mean, again, you don't get down 23 nothing just because EJ Speed hit Matt Stafford. Lee. You sound like Frank Reich there, all three phases. <laughs> all three phases deserve some blame. But um, I was disappointed in a week of people singing your praises, patting you on the back. How would Shane Steichen's football team handle that? And I thought they handled it extremely poorly how do you react to a win how do you react to some late week adversity I mean the Colts had some late week adversity with their injury situation and again they look like the Pacific time zone team on a short week and they're just not built to come back down 23 nothing I know that they did and almost completed it but you're playing with fire this goes back to the Indiana Louisville football game from a couple weeks ago at Lucas oh gosh and I apologize to try and make an analogy to IU football um, I know I'm going to get a text from a friend of mine who's a Louisville fan after you bringing this up and me going, <laughs> oh gosh. So, Well, I, I apologize for that, Eddie. But you know, we focus so much on that IU-Louisville game about, man, fourth and goal play call, this and that. I'm like, when you get down 21 nothing like Indiana did to Louisville, everything's got to be perfect the rest of the way. When the Colts got down 23 nothing, everything's got to be perfect then. So, I, I mean, that is something like you can't ignore either. Um, so I just thought a really, really poor start that set the tone, and I was disappointed in how the team reacted to whatever coaching they had um, leading up to the game and how to handle it because that's kind of new territory. And at some point, Eddie, you want to be there 
as a franchise. You want to have the bullseye on your back. You want to, the questions be, hey, you guys won three in a row. How can you keep this going? Like Those are the questions you obviously want to deal with. In a way, their first test in dealing with that in quite some time. I thought they failed it, and frankly failed it pretty miserably, just with the the depth of that deficit. I mean, it was you know twenty three nothing, and I mean hell, even then, I mean you know the Rams still had a missed field goal, just like you had one yeah. as well in in building to that. Uh, the second thing you have on here is overtime defense, but I want to ask you this quick question: Through four games, have we learned more about Shane Steichen than we did leading up to the start of the season? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, certainly, I, I I think anytime you have a first time head coach, that you're going to learn some things. I think offensively, it's looked pretty much what I expected. I had um, a good standard for him in terms of the variety of formations he would use. You know how he would uh, try to play to Anthony Richardson's strengths, and I feel like the, those things have gone well in game management. I like a lot of what I've seen, but specifically to yesterday, Andy, the Monday through Saturday Andy. prep, Andy, sorry. Eddie, um, Andy Sweeney being our my, my morning co-host, um, the Monday through Saturday prep did not lead to Sunday results at all. And, like, stuff happens. I mean, late-week adversity happens. I mean, last Friday was probably one of the newsier Fridays I've ever had on the Colts beat, just with kind of a surprises on the injury report. And, you know, I guess we'll get into the overtime plan here, but I just thought your plans for... To me, such a key to the game was don't let their Hall of Famers play like Hall of Famers. Yep. Because they hadn't done that in week one, two, or three. I thought you gave them a lack of resistance for Donald and Stafford that allowed them to have easier access to playing like Hall of Famers, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, The last part of this, offensive line depth. Well, let's... Let's talk uh, okay. overtime plan here. I, yeah, I, I just thought that was such a pathetic drive. Um, you know, lack of resistance, I, I think, is another good way to put it. They encounter one third down, and, and I guess let's focus on the third and four here and, and the Puka, Puka Nakua touchdown. I go back and watch that play. There clearly is some miscommunication between Kenny Moore and Juju Brents at the snap. And the Rams have a stacked formation to the right of Stafford. And Nakua is obviously in that bunch. And the other thing, and, and you know, Kenny Moore might be right. Tutu Atwell, if you watch him, he's part of the bunch. He does have a slight flinch that I think maybe could have been called. Kenny Moore reacts to it, though, a little bit more demonstratively than I'm used to Kenny Moore reacting to that. And I don't know, you know, maybe in that moment it's hard not to react to it. But I think that all of a sudden got Kenny Moore on his heels right at the snap. And I think the biggest issue on that play is this. If you're going to be wrong in overtime, be wrong committing more bodies to Nakua than you need. And on that play, Juju Brents and Kenny Moore, they both commit to Bryson Hopkins. That's not even Tyler Higby. It's Bryson Hopkins in the flat. Whereas Nakua is wide the bleep open. I mean, when he caught the ball, I said to Mike Chappell, I go, there's no way that's Nakua, is it? Like, of all, I thought it was Ben Skoranek. I mean, I was like, there's no way. Because there are times throughout a game where a dude's killing you, killing you, killing you. And Notre then you Dame use legend. him as a decoy. And you let somebody else make the big time play. You know, 
it's the fake bubble screen, and the guy that's primarily the blocker, Zach Pascal, has gone deep down the sideline, and you throw a ball to him for, for a touchdown. I'm like, wait a minute, that's freaking Nakua wide open in the middle of the field on third and four in overtime? And that's where the plan for Puka Nakua, he's had a great start to the season, Eddie. No wide out. I don't care if it's Devontae Adams, I don't care if it's Calvin Johnson, should have a game with 10 targets and 9 catches. 90% catch rate? Yep. 90%? That is an insane number. And when overtime happens, long break in between the end of regulation and overtime, Gus Bradley, Kenny Moore, Shaquille Leonard, whoever are your leaders, whoever are your voices, you come together on the sideline and literally on three, I would say, all right, hands in, anybody but Nakua. One, two, three. Seriously, like anybody but him. First play of overtime, Eddie. What sets the tone? Nakua. Open. Over the middle of the field. Big play. And that set the entire drive up for success. And set the tone for the day, too, with that big first play of the game. Yeah, exactly. The first play was a great ball by by Stafford. Obviously a great catch by Puka Nakua as well to, to juggle that. But And also on the third and four in the game winner, how clean was that pocket? I mean, that was a clean pocket to force Stafford to, to deliver that ball over the middle of the field there. So, um, with a hobbled QB, I just expect more out of your defense. And especially just don't – I mean, it's just – it's Nakua and – I love Kyron Williams. But, I mean, he, it's still Kyron Williams. It, you know, it's not like they've got a bunch of bona fide skill studs yeah. on that team there. Uh, so I think that is just where you are frustrating. You know, it's one thing to say, okay, Juju Brents, do you chalk that up to a, a rookie mistake in that moment? Yeah, but that's where, again, I think some coaching comes into play and or some guidance from Kenny Moore of being like, all right, guys, if you're unsure of what to do in overtime, make sure we have Puka Nakua taken care of. Like, that. The, that's, the, that's the one where it's like, address him and we'll worry about the others there. In that moment, so I thought the overtime plan, I thought the plan for Nakua in general, um, not enough, not enough. And then, of course, Rodney Thomas whiffs on the tackle inside the five right before right. he gets into for a touchdown. Um, I didn't think Gus Bradley did enough in terms of blitzing, yeah, especially when Stafford got hurt. Agreed. I thought when he got hurt, that's when you got to smell blood. Yep, and you really got to test it. I mean, that dude was—I don't know how much the TV copy showed. I mean, he was. I was waiting for Brett Rippon to grab his helmet and start warming up. Like, it was shocked. I mean, I, I had the binoculars out. I was like, wait, I mean, Stafford is standing on the side. Like, I was shocked that he stayed in the game, let alone you couldn't really force him. I, I thought he looked better than I thought he would moving the rest of the game. But still, I think if you test him more, if you get another hit or two in there, who knows what happens in that moment. So, um, I think it's fair to have a high standard for your defense especially your defensive front, and I thought uh, for the first time all year, I thought they uh, they failed in that area. Last thing that you didn't like, offensive line depth. So there was no Kelly and no Bernard Ryman. So you had Wesley French and Blake Freeland starting in their places. So Blake Freeland over at left tackle, Eddie, I would guess Arlington Hambright, at least in the practices that the media have seen, Arlington Hambright has gotten more left tackle work this offseason than Blake Freeland has. I know Freeland did it at BYU, but... Um, that is something that I was a little bit surprised by. In no way, shape, or form am I blaming Blake Freeland for this. In no way, shape, or form am I saying the Blake Freeland career is going to be an absolute bust. But they just absolutely took advantage of a rookie at left tackle. I mean, the first play of the game, they beat him 
Um, I think for a tackle for loss or 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 a stuff. I mean, so many key pressures came off that left side. Again, run game and pass game. I did not think you helped him enough, and I think that that is something that is really really bothersome. Of it's a late week plan that needs some adjustment, but you'd be foolish not to do that. Clearly, the Rams adjusted. You know, Aaron Donald does not line up opposite the other team's left tackle very often. He did. I'd argue he probably did that more than he's done in quite some time. I think J.J. Stankovic said in his pregame hit with um, JMV, Bill Brooks, and Jeffrey Gorman and Joe Wrights on pregame huddle that Donald has actually lined up more over tackles this year than he has interior offensive linemen. Interesting. I feel like he usually is more on the right side, you know, opposite. And, I mean, I thought there were times where he was opposite Nelson, and he was whipping Nelson. I mean, he's just – to me, Eddie, he's the best – I don't think this is hyperbole for for me to say. I think he's the best NFL player of my lifetime. I mean, I think he is that freaking good. I mean, he is absolutely incredible. And the fact that he continues to do this at his age is absurd. But, again, I thought, Eddie, there were times where you handed Blake Freeland to him on a platter. And that's where I'm saying, don't let the Hall of Famers have easy access to Canton. Put a few roadblocks in there to Canton. And I didn't think you did enough of that there. And this was a big question that I had entering the season of, what would be your plan for your O-line depth? Because you don't have a lot of veteran O-line depth at all. Okay, so if you go into games, down a couple starters, i.e. like Sunday, what's your plan for that? How do you counter for that? And when the game mattered early on, when you're trying to establish rhythm, when you're trying to establish balance, Eddie Zach Moss had 10 yards on five carries in the first half. I mean, you couldn't achieve anything. You were struggling running it. Your best plays in the first half offensively were Anthony Richardson designed runs. That's not a good recipe for multiple reasons. It makes Richardson get hit more, and it also is an indicator that your offense can't support Richardson that much. And that, again, against a Rams defense that they just, there's certainly some of its parts, but it's not like they've got a bunch of bona fide studs. On that defense, I mean, it's not Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey from from a couple years ago or anything like that. There, so um, I thought your O line depth for the question mark that that was this season. Um, I, I'd consider Bernard Ryman the most indispensable Colt. I think when we did it at the start of the year, he was mine. I, I just thought the drop off was that immense, and I think you felt that big time on Sunday. And if I were Bernard Ryman's agent, I wish it was year three, so I was due for an extension, and I could show him film of that game. Yeah, but to your point about Aaron Donald, I mean, he's just so unique. Like, he's not tall. He's just so freaking quick. Yeah, quick, and obviously he's strong as hell, too. Yeah. Um, it, it's special what he can do from a variety of places, but um, I didn't think your plan for him was good enough. Or, you know, it's one of those things where you just – You've got to try and eliminate the easy access. Yeah. And the amount of single teams I watched him get, too, too much. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Let's transition now to what you liked. You talked about the fourth quarter moxie with Anthony Richardson. Uh, something I want to hit on because I don't think we talked about it yet. Uh, that 
touchdown throw one to Mo Ali Cox as he's he got his foot stepped on, so he's losing his balance. Right. He throws it, uh, and then the throw to Alec Pierce with the aforementioned Aaron Donald draped all over mm-hmm. him, throws it down the field, forty-two yards, almost in stride. Yeah, and again the the outside of the pocket um, is the stuff that you think about and think, man, this is. This could be something here, um, and, and, and that really stands. I, I would say fourth quarter Moxie, non Richardson related, was just kind of the the entire team coming back. And again, let me stress that as disappointing as a start because you have to acknowledge that you can't get down twenty three nothing. And I think naturally you are going to come back at that point. You still have to go out and execute that, and they did, and, and they put a ton of game pressure on the Rams, and certainly you had a chance there late in that game as well to possibly win it in regulation. So I do think that's important. I do think that's something that you can feel positively about. I tend to think the start of the game offers a little bit more of a negative light in just how you react to winning, how you react to you know people, again, kind of rose-pedaling you for, for an entire week. But um, the fourth quarter resolve kind of goes back to Richardson. You know, in, in those moments, Andy, Andy, gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this about a thousand times. My today, gosh, I? I'm sorry. Twice in a pod. Wow. Yeah, that is absolutely all. That, that's U.S. Ryder Cup like by me right there. <laughs> uh, but I thought the fourth quarter must haves he delivered for you. And I'll go back to that final drive of regulation. I'd like to have seen Shane get him outside the pocket. You know, having to do three straight passes with him inside the pocket because I also thought in that situation, Eddie, you know, that then gets. Donald to have to do more. You know, it doesn't if you sit in the pocket, that's gonna allow that Rams pass rush in particular Donald to you know know at least for the first few seconds of the play where you're going to be um at that moment there. So um yeah. But all in all, the fourth quarter resolve, man, it was big. Kenny Moore, that was a big interception by him to kind of, you know, continue to spark that comeback. I, I did think one more individual that I should throw out um, and I wrote this into my hits and misses pieces up on 1075thefan.com. Drew Ogletree? Uh, I, I put Dio Dangbo ah, atop the list. Okay. Uh, Eddie, 48 snaps for Dio. So an expanded role with DeForest Buckner. Only playing 20 due to the back and the groin injury. Seven tackles, four quarterback hits, one and a half sacks. I mean, those are big time numbers. So probably the best game of Dio's career. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Drew Ogletree showed up out of that tight end room when none of the others did really outside of the one catch Mo had. Well, and you needed a little bit more from your tight ends with your wideouts so quiet. Yes. Um, so yeah, Ogletree, a couple of big plays there. And I'll be curious to see, you know, if and when Jelani Woods comes back, maybe even this week, you know, how the tight end depth chart breaks down there. Wednesday's pod should be fun. I know. A lot, a lot of newsy items coming Wednesday. Did I have anything else, or should we move into Twitter questions? I was going to say, let's move into Twitter questions. Go. Chris is up first. Gus Bradley and his scheme are trash, and a rookie receiver has nine catches for 163 yards and a touchdown is totally unacceptable. Yeah, it, I could not agree more, Chris, on just the unacceptable nature to the Puka Nakua plan of, I mean, throwing something different at them in overtime, um, the amount of free release. I mean, it's well documented how much he's kind of feasted upon zone coverage this year, Puka, that is. Um, 
I mean, if you would have asked any Colts fan that somewhat studies the NFL or pays attention to the NFL before the game, the one skill player they could name is Puka Nakua before anyone else for the Rams. And it's the first play of the game. It's the first play of overtime. It's the game-winning touchdown. I mean, all these different sections of the game. And it's not like at the end, Eddie. Yeah, I mean, it's Juju Brent's second game, but like Kenny Moore's still over there. It's not like they had Puka isolated on Jalen Jones. And in a one-on-one situation... Puka, who's been in the league for four games, let's not act like he's a 30-year vet, you know, outplays the seventh-round pick. Um, That, I thought the plan was very, very poor, and the execution of whatever plan there was, nine targets, nine catches and ten targets, man, that just doesn't happen. And if it does, it's like a tight end. That's like a Jack Doyle day of, you know, nine for 64. No, no, nine for 160-something. Or Madden. Or Madden, sure. Yeah. Maybe 11 on 11 or 7 on 7, I should say, not 11 on 11. Uh, Mitch is up next. I feel like that's exactly the kind of game you've been talking about. How does Anthony Richardson react in a high-pressure situation? Can he be a playmaker? Today he was. We clearly need pieces, a true number two receiver, a dynamic back, maybe if Jonathan Taylor suits up, but I can see the potential. AR keeps showing up like he did in the fourth quarter, and we have a bright future ahead. Yeah, Mitch, again, spot on. Certainly those are the moments you want him in, and how does he react? And I thought he reacted better than he did in the Jacksonville game. Um, You know, the fourth quarter is, it's the separator. Do you wilt, or do you stand tall? You know, do you make the heady play? Like, this is a little thing, but like... Think back to Kansas City and New York last night. For those that missed it, you know Kansas City's got a big third down late. If they settle for a field goal there, they're going to have to. It's still a one possession game. Who knows? Zach Wilson's playing, you know, shockingly decent. Could they lead a big drive? And Mahomes has the wherewithal to scramble for a first down, slide in bounds, and. Still, tick, tick, tick. You can run out the rest of the clock. I know gamblers were not too happy about that. Well, I guess <laughs> if you had the Chiefs minus nine and a half or whatever it ended or up Mahomes being. Or Mahomes anytime touchdown score. That is a good point as well. But that was such a heady play in the fourth quarter of a critical game on the road. And those are the moments that separate quarterbacks. That's why you get paid the big bucks and why you don't. So great for Richardson. And yeah, I mean, I. As far as the second question, we clearly still need pieces of true number two wideout. Again, I like Michael Pittman, but you need a you need to go out and get a big you need, wideout. You need an alpha. You need yeah yeah you need. And again, I will uh, you know try and harp on this as much as I can until it happens. But you need Stephon Diggs for Josh Allen. You need AJ Brown for Jalen Hurts. I mean, you, you can't be content. You can't think you have enough. You've got to go above and beyond particularly when your quarterback has the amount of inexperience that he does. I mean, Cincinnati had T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, and then they draft Jamar Chase instead of Panay Sewell. Right, right. I mean, those are the types of decisions that you're going to have to make. And it's going to be costly, and it's going to be eye-popping, and it's going to involve a ton of value, but uh, you have to do it at some point. Hey, fellas, Scotty says, everyone can blame Matt Gay for not making the kick, but you can also blame the porous coverage but where I lie blame is near that the very start of the game where EJ Speed got the dumbass unnecessary roughness penalty and gave the Rams life. Am I wrong? Thanks, guys. No. I mean, it was just an awful, stupid, 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 stupid penalty. I, you used an adjective that describes it quite well there, Scotty. I mean, it's not like Stafford's Lamar Jackson. 
And it's not like he's at the yard marker. It's not like it was right there. Um, and it's not like EJ Speed was standing out of bounds either. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That was like one of the rare times we've seen a Colts player make a dumb play like that, Agreed. too. I, I would agree. Especially on your own sideline. Yeah. Um, I would agree, yeah. Now, again, you don't get down 23 nothing just because of that play. There's a whole lot that leads to it. But in a way, it had a little bit of a Juju Brent feel to it from last week. Like, I try to do this throughout the game. I try to circle plays that I feel like are big, big shifts, like when it happens, and and make sure that I kind of have that jotted down. I rarely circle plays in the opening drive of a game. That play was 1,000% circled. Yeah. And then, obviously, the Rams cash in on that. Especially to that quarterback, man. Yeah. Joe would like to know if Anthony Richardson is Justin Fields 2.0, but bigger. How long will it take for Chris Ballard to get legitimate weapons for him? The coverage and protection cannot be the weekly excuse for a lack of downfield production. Well, you had a little bit more downfield this week. You you you, you certainly did that. Um, again, Richardson cannot live off 45% or whatever it was, 44 yesterday. You, you have to get that a little bit higher, but I like the sprinkled in nature um, with the big plays. We, had, we hadn't seen that in the first game and even just a little bit of the Houston game he was out there for. Um, you know, see Fields 2.0. I mean, I'm not going to act like I watch a ton of Justin Fields. Fields, to me, is much more of a willing speed runner than Richardson. Um, Richardson, for the most part, Eddie, he wants to throw. Yeah. Like, he does not bail very early. Again, there's poise, there's great pocket presence. But yeah, I mean, whether you want to call it Fields, whether you want to call it any of these other quarterbacks, again, when you make the draft selection, it turns to development and it turns to support. It's exactly what it turns to. And by support, it means support and personnel and support not to be a shit show. And the Bears are a shit show. So that's why this Taylor situation is one that you want to get resolved as best you can because mm-hmm. is it the Chase Claypool thing? Oh no. gosh. You don't know. But it it will be very quickly and, and again, we've all been in relationships in our lives where a thing that you might not act like is 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 a big deal, if all of a sudden you start fighting about something, it becomes a big deal because you want to make it a big deal. And if all of a sudden the relationship or you feel like there's a lack of support, Richardson might not act like the Jonathan Taylor situation's a big deal right now. But in three or four years, when money starts talking and support starts talking, you could bring that up and be like, look what happened then. You didn't support me in that rookie season. And again, both parties are at fault. I don't act like, you know, I'm just all of a sudden throwing all the weight here onto the Colts' shoulders with that. But that is something that the Colts need to make sure that they don't go down that slippery slope. That's two Notre Dame legend drops in one podcast. Look at that. Claypool at Notre Dame. Claypool Skoranek. Who's next, Golden Tate? Saw Skoranek's family after the game. Just say hello. Congrats, go Irish. Oh, how about that win last night? They were great. Craig says, hey Kevin, what a roller coaster of a game. AR finally made it through a whole game and he gives me the same vibe as I get watching the early days of Peyton Manning. We are never out of any game. Is that our first Peyton comparison? Uh, I don't know if it's a comparison or more of just a feeling. Feeling. 
Uh, that's great to see. However, the mental mistakes seem to be killing us. Roughing the passer by EJ, the screw up in coverage at the end of the game, etc. Are these just growing pains of a young team or something bigger and more coaching related? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, in relation to those two plays, probably a little bit of both. I mean, EJ speeds what? He's been in the league for how long, Eddie? Fifth year? Yes. Yeah, he can't play the youth card there. Um, the youth card probably a little bit with Juju Brents. I mean, clearly there was something up with Kenny Moore. And Juju Brents there at the end. You know, as far as the Richardson, Manning, you feel like you're never out of a game. I don't know if you feel this way, but every time Anthony Richardson comes onto the field, I'm like, man, we're about we're going to watch something unique here. Something is going to happen. Like, I have that sort of feeling with him. And frankly, I think if you're opposing defensive coordinator, I think you'd rather you'd rather play the pocket guy than you would the dynamic off-script guy. That's just me. Um, I just think the off-script guy can kind of can kind of out. He can take the X's and O's and he can sweep it under the rug. Yeah. And I thought there were a few moments again in that fourth quarter where, hey Rams, good defense for three point two seconds. Sorry about you. This guy keeps it alive for five point four. Yeah. And can you still cover? Can you still rush? And if you can't. He has the ability to make those plays. Yeah, and I, I mean, those kind of plays just wear down the defense oh, too later so in the game. So deflating. Yeah, I mean, it wears down the defensive line during the game. Next thing you know, bigger runs are happening later in the game if it's a close game and if you're leading. So those are just kind of things that uh, I look forward to in the future uh, when Richardson starts becoming more developed. Cameron, this team is so clearly uh, more resilient than previous years. Feels like Frank Reich and Jeff Saturday's teams would have folded the last two weeks like they uh, like the Ravens and the Rams, unlike underneath Shane Steichen. Is this more Anthony Richardson or the aforementioned Steichen? He talks about resilience a lot, but the team actually is resilient, even after a sloppy, ugly game. Yeah, Cameron, I, I, I understand the question. I think it's a little bit of low-hanging fruit, if I'm going to be totally honest. You know, if that was a Frank Reich or Jeff Saturday coached game, I guarantee you the spin on this question would be, uh, Frank and Jeff, they just can't get our team ready to play. They, they they just can't handle success. Like, right now, we all want to love Shane Steichen. And again, I've been, I think I've been very high on Shane Steichen. I think you guys will, will know that. But there's a little bit of feeling of, like, he can do no wrong right now. And I'm like, guys, they just got down 23 to nothing to a, to a, to a, I think a mediocre NFC team on a short week that is dealing with their own issues and is without their, you know, best target. Like it's week four in the month of September. I guess it's October now. I mean, you haven't won a home game in a year. You got a rookie quarterback. I naturally think you're going to have some resilience and, and some want to fight back. Um, again, I like Shane a lot. It just, that kind of just feels like a little bit of a blow at, at Reich and even Saturday. Like, to me, like twenty three to nothing. How you started yesterday was such an indicator of how you're a coach during the week. And I thought every phase had issues in that area. So I can't immediately jump towards toughness, resilience. It's a new era of Colts football and like not acknowledge what happened to get you down. But you needed a historic comeback. Eddie, how many times do you think teams have gotten down twenty three nothing in a game and come back in NFL history? Uh, man, I don't know. If you have throw a percentage on it. I'm going to say less than 5%. I, I I was hovering around 5. So, that's a historical comeback that you needed. Well, that means you did some pretty 
unhistoric things to get down 23 nothing. So that's where I kind of sit on it. Again, I'm can acknowledge it was an impressive comeback, certainly, and it's a good sign that your football team is capable of that, but you can't ignore how ugly, ugly of a start that was in a new test for Steichen. And again, yesterday was probably a reminder, like, this is his first time yeah. as a head football coach. It was his first time dealing with a team that was singing praises and he and I thought I, I thought the Shane tone afterwards was interesting. I thought the tone was a little bit more of like he seemed a little bit content after the game, mm-hmm. and and, and I, I don't know that was that's not the vibe that I expected from him. I think he fell into a little bit of the that was a hell of a comeback. I'm proud of my team. A little bit of that, and you know I go back to Eddie. Remember last year when the Colts played the Titans? It was down in Nashville, and the Colts had the they were down like ten nothing. I want to say at half or thirteen three or something, mm-hmm. and they interviewed both Vrabel and Reich at halftime. And, oh, yes, I remember this. And Reich had the phrase, we've got Matt Ryan. Well, yeah, you've got Matt Ryan. That's why you're down. And you were nearly shut out. Maybe they were shut out in the first half. And Vrabel acted like they were down 21 nothing, And he was – I mean, and they had a two-score lead. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, I felt like Shane Postgame was a little bit more Reich-like than Vrabel. I don't know. Maybe I'm overreacting to one postgame press conference. Uh, but that, that that that's just a tone that, you know – We'll be interested to continue to watch as Shane progresses through his first NFL season. Five. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Twitter questions left. Blue Heavy, do you think Shane will learn from going for it on fourth and seven, or do we have another Frank Reich on our hands? Okay, so fourth and seven, Eddie. There, we got a decent amount of questions in this. Fourth and seven, late third quarter from the Rams 31. You're down 23 to eight. Colts go for it. Don't get it. At the time, I thought it was a go situation. Um, yeah, because you're down 15. If field goal does you not, does nothing for you. Well, I mean, there's four minutes going in the third quarter there, so I think this the the situation there is, I guess if you cut it to 12, yeah, don't you still need two touchdowns? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I my, more of my thinking that is right, by the way, Eddie. What you just said, more of my thinking was, you. I don't think the Rams had punted to that point of the game. No. So I think if you're Shane Steich in the back of your mind, you're saying, we've got to get to 30. How do you get to 30? You get to 30 with three touchdowns. You have eight. You need 22 to get to 30. Like, you're going to have to get three TDs. You're probably only having three, maybe four drives the rest of the game. I get how it played out. It played out that obviously the Colts ended up having a chance there. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Rams had yet to punt. Didn't they just – I think they missed a field goal, if I'm not mistaken, on that next drive. Maher missed one. Off to look. I think that was his second miss of the game there. So they were at least going to get three more if that field goal would have gone in there. So, yeah, I had. Yes, he did. He missed the field goal right after that. Yeah. I get fourth and seven might be a low percentage at that point, but. Because that was coming off the Kenny Moore interception. Right, 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 right. I personally had no issue with it. Yep. Um, Tyler is up next. I'm very much over anything hearing or talking related to Jonathan Taylor, but I can't help but wonder if the Zach Moss or if the trade for Zach Moss last year under a rock this week, Tyler. 
<laughs> uh, I wonder if the trade for Zach Moss last year was intentional, knowing JT was going to command a large contract. Maybe the Colts traded Hines away for Moss because he couldn't be an every-down back as well as some cap savings. But did they make this move to possibly not extend Jonathan Taylor? Also, if JT is not truly injured and saying he is, or if the Colts are just letting him be on pup to try and salvage the relationship, are either party liable to face fines or punishment? A few buddies and I will be at the game on Sunday against LA, hoping for a better outcome than in 2013. Thanks, Eddie and KB. Outcome, not better, but at least it wasn't the same showing of 2013 is what I can tell you, Tyler. There were some moments there I thought we were watching Tavon Austin in 2013 all over again before that, uh, that, that comeback was started. Gosh, just hearing this Taylor question, man, makes me want to just bang my head against the table. I, I think I'm going to do it, actually. Um, didn't, uh, didn't Zach didn't uh, Naheem Hines request a trade secretly, and that's why they traded him in Last year, right? I guess maybe Taylor's saying, or Tyler is saying, gosh, Taylor, Tyler's saying here that like they wanted Moss specifically, you know, in terms of compensation. They, yeah. they, they wanted Moss, and I mean, Moss is in a contract year for what it's worth. And I mean, if you're the Bills, don't you look at it and say, this hasn't worked out here? You need a running back. We need a running back. I, I don't know. I think we might be overreading that just a little bit. Um, I thought Moss was more so of like an, an additional blocker because of how good good he was i think in terms of pff rankings as a pass blocker um yeah i think that was part of the reason down roll yeah yeah um i i I don't know to be totally honest with you i I think it's a little bit of maybe overthinking it just a hair there um obviously the taylor situation eddie like you said that's going to dominate our wednesday podcast i didn't need to watch the first four weeks of the season to be reminded of it but the first four weeks of the season is an absolute reminder of this offense needs more playmakers. They yes. need more explosive playmakers. More guys. Again, your best offense in Sunday's first half was designed runs with your 21-year-old rookie quarterback. That's not a recipe for success. Like, at all. Um, so, you just need guys that you say, here's the ball and go make a play with it. Um, you know, I thought yesterday you kind of lacked the perimeter runs and you know Moss up the middle again. The first half, I mean, he had ten yards on five carries. I mean, when the game was still in game flow, you're still with your script. You know, it's whatever two scores for the most part. I mean, ten yards on five carries. You just have to have more. And I think Taylor again offers you the ability for a little bit more big play potential, and that's a huge, huge weapon. And Moss, Moss is just carrying way too big of a workload, Eddie. I mean, Huge, he, yeah. I mean, his, his snap count yesterday was like above 80%. I mean, mm-hmm. it is, that is a huge, huge number for Zach Moss here in his NFL career. It, it'd be a big number for um, Jonathan Taylor. I don't want to ask this because I, I, I think it's too early, but you think Taylor gets a similar workload? Yeah, I do think it is too early. Um, I would say no, and my question would be, does either party – want that I mean just Taylor's like Taylor's camp is in this weird balance of like do we want him to play a lot don't you just want him to play just like kind of enough 
Like, you don't want to blame too much and whatever, risk injuring. I mean, he hasn't practiced in 50 straight practices, 60 straight. I don't know what the exact number is. He hasn't practiced since December 16th of last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a lot. Um, Zach Moss, the last three weeks, Eddie, his offensive snap percentage, okay, 98%, 76%, 83%. All right, you got that? 98%. Uh, down there in Houston, 76 against the Ravens, and then 83 yesterday. Zach Moss in his career has played 42 NFL games. Those three snap percentages rank 1, 2, and 3 in his 42-game NFL career. Mm. I mean, again, Taylor playing that much would be a huge, huge workload as well. 290 days, KB. That's how long it's been? Since he practiced. Monday before, uh, Thursday before that Saturday uh, game in uh, Minnesota. Yeah. We all remember what happened there. Did he get hurt on his first touch of that game? Or when I say hurt, I should probably say he got re-injured. Um, I don't know if it was the first touch. I remember but it, was, it being down like the sidelines. I feel like it was a big play and he got hurt. It was a screen pass. Was it? Yeah, I remember. I can't recall. I know it was the first drive of the game. I don't know if it was his first touch of the game. Yeah. Um, three questions left. Alex says, I know you said part of this season is evaluating pieces for the future. And Anthony Richardson, what do you think about Kylan Granson? He's had some flashes with good speed and yards after the catch, but he drops way too many passes. Did he drop that one at the end? Yes. That was a drop? Yes. I We didn't get a great replay when um, in, the, um, in the press box on it. And uh, Alex pointed out, including a big one at the end of regulation that would have put the Colts in field goal range. Scrolling through Taylor's like career game log, man, and he—I mean—he barely even rivals what Moss has done through the last three weeks. Um, yeah, Granson, it's yeah, yeah, it is always one of those things where you're always like, okay, he's had two nice catches in a row. Uh, that third one might be a little risky. Yeah, is this year three for Granson? Is this yeah? Or is this a contract year for him? No, it's year three, right? I don't know. I think he's in the pay in the Dangbo draft, if I'm not mistaken. There. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious, Eddie, what happens at tight end? You know, when Jelani Woods' pending return comes. This is year three, correct? Year three. Yes. Yeah. This is a. This is going to be interesting. You know, Will Mallory was a healthy scratch again yesterday, so you've you've had an odd man out at tight end every week. Well, when Jelani Woods returns, does that mean two odd men are out? So who? I mean who? Out of Granson, Mo Alley, and Ogletree. Who's out? I don't know. I mean, Granson is the different body type of the bunch. They clearly like a detached element with him. And going back to what Chris Ballard said leading up to the season, he said, every quarterback we've had is like Kylan. So, I don't know. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um, Yeah, I... I a little bit of inconsistency with Granson. And that was a question coming out of SMU, to be fair. So you would, you, you'd you like to see a little bit more of a sure up there. Travis wants to know, what's the over or under on Jonathan Taylor playing in week five? Hopefully we can get our injured guys back next week as well on the line, plus Jelani Woods. Thanks for the best Colts content. Oh, man. I, I'd be a little surprised if he played on Sunday. I'd say 50-50. You, you think it's that high? I would just I would put it there 50-50, yeah. I mean, he certainly plays a position where you could rotate a lot, but I mean, Eddie didn't Zach Boss need 2 weeks to get back from a month absence? Yeah, but when he was back, we just hit it. 
Right. You but, just I mean, laid out those percentages. But we're talking a month. I mean, Taylor hasn't practiced in 10 months. That's also very true. And we have, you know, contractual issues. And there's a lot of drama. Like, both parties. I can see reasons for both parties saying, let's wait. To me, I'd say let's wait because uh, no offense to Jonathan Taylor, but I would not want to suit up in my first game against Tennessee. Um, and the upcoming opponents in terms of rush defense, they're some of the best in the NFL. Tennessee's really good. Jacksonville's superb. We know what they've been yeah. able to do in terms of limiting the Colts I rushing like attack. Front. Yeah. And then Cleveland, New Orleans, doesn't really get easy until you face Carolina in Week 9. Now, again, he plays a position where you can say, hey, here's five, seven carries, and right. and, and, and you're fine. But Here's three, four catches, yeah. For both parties, I can see reasons why they would maybe want to pull the reins back. So, again, we should get more clarity coming up on Wednesday. Last Twitter question comes from Walter. How do you like how they changed up Anthony Richardson finishing runs? Seeing him slide was a relief. Uh, it seems like he is improving in the areas where they said he would struggle, and it gives me hope for the future. Lastly, what the heck is going on with Alec Pierce? Year two, and he hasn't been used much. Is it regression or play calling? Keep up the great work because the pod, I've been able to spend quality time in the yard. Look at that. Well, thank you, Walter. Hope the yard looks beautiful for those reasons. Um, Can yeah, you help Shane... me with mine, please? I got, yeah, no. I got a dog that's digging craters in my yard. Shane Sykin clearly had no hesitancy, Walter. Uh, first eight plays, again, three design runs. Um you know, you've, and as far as the Pierce thing, again, you have to get your wideouts more involved, just period. I, I still would like to see more out of Pierce on the underneath stuff. Um, he offers a higher floor because the deep ball can be there, which we saw on Sunday. But that's why I think to me, Eddie, you got to take two shots down the field with him every game because he doesn't give you enough elsewhere to kind of make up for that. So yeah. You, you, you have to take those shots down the field. Plus, if you can continue to be successful on that, naturally it's going to cheat a safety over there to him a little bit more. Um, but yeah, in terms of finishing runs, again, he had the uh, he, he had the slide on the first play, and I thought he did a nice job of, you know, I don't know how you know cognizant he was of time and score and situation, but you know there are a couple of moments on the sidelines where he did go out of bounds. Um, and so those are some things that you would like to see. And the first play is a great example of it, Eddie. I mean, the first play is a great example of it is 0-0. It is literally the first play of the football game. Yeah. And he scrambles for what? What was that? A six-yard scramble or something like that? Mm-hmm. And the crowd applauding him and cheering for him right. sliding was kind of funny. And he take. I'm trying to think who it was, Ernest Jones or Rusty, I don't know who, who it was, but like... I mean, he could have taken on the linebacker or the DB there, and he could have tried to turn whatever the handful of yard scramble into eight or nine. But it's lived to see another down there, and you don't take the hit, you slide, and boom! All of a sudden, um, that's one less hit. And I just think naturally those add up. So I thought that was a good sign from him. How about C.J. Stroud? Looking like the real deal down there in Houston. Good football player. Ball placement specialist, right? Yes. Isn't that how he labels it? Yeah. I'm glad we've got Anthony Richardson, but man. That was impressive What, um, how Houston's bounced back and how Stroud's looked. I know they're starting to get a little bit healthier as well, which you know is a big deal. And 
Nothing says AFC South, Eddie, like through four weeks. The only division without a three or four win football team. Yeah, all two and two. Definition of mediocrity, baby. Yes. The beautiful AFC South gift. Big one for the Jags this Sunday in London. Yeah. They welcome the Bills. Yeah. Uh, town. Pot on Wednesday. Probably uh, some newsworthy items to talk about, I assume. Yeah, I have a feeling it'll be a little bit more Jonathan Taylor-centric coming up on Wednesday. I was wondering where that was. Just pulled out the box score. Um out of my backpack there. Uh, yes, Eddie, that will be the plan. Again, we'll have written content up on our website all week long. Take a closer look at the Titans' five-game win streak, I believe. Tennessee over Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. Um, they've been awful away from home. They've been good at home. That sums up their season. Good news is they're playing away from home. Coming up on Sunday for the Colts. He's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.